Hi, everyone. It's Sambal Siddiqui, Mayor of Cambridge. And I'm Alana Mellon, Vice Mayor, and this is our weekly podcast, Women Are Here. Hello. Uh, longest week ever. <laughs> right? I, I mean, I just what was saying today? <laughs> today is Friday. Um, time doesn't matter anymore. It's totally inconsequential. Nobody knows what day it is. It's like the pandemic times 5 million. With the election, I just can't. I cannot. So yeah, we've both been, um, I think as uh, all of you, glued to our phones and TVs and Twitter and all that stuff uh, as we speak, figuring out who our president's going to be. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's looking hopeful um, that it will be Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, but I like refuse to let myself get excited until it's like been announced. Right. Like I'm not getting my hopes up. People are like, oh, there's this. And I'm like, I'm just nope. not saying anything. Nope. nope. I'm not nope. tweeting. I'm just like, I don't want to jinx anything. I don't want to. Anyway, it has been a whirlwind. Uh, election day was Tuesday. Um, it does feel like years ago we, um, I voted at the Morse. I know you voted early mm-hmm. through the mail. Um, I met up with you at the range for some sign holding, which for yes on two. I know. I, so I actually convinced a lady to vote for yes on two. It was so satisfying. I know. I saw. <laughs> Usually you like, you hold up your sign and you, you greet people and you know, you're kind of like, why am I just standing here holding a sign? But this woman came over and was like, I really don't even know what it's about. Can you please tell me? And I told her and she's like, oh, that sounds really simple. And like a good thing for voting. I was like, yes. And she, she walked back out. She was like, I voted for it. And I really, like, I personally took that as like, like a bellwether. (laughs) It was like my own exit polls. You know, I was like, oh, (laughs) it's totally going to pass. And then it didn't. I was surprised. I, I, I felt the same way. I was like, oh, it's looking good. I was like, ah, oh, what's the right to pre- repair one? But definitely, like, I think this will pass. But as we know, that didn't happen. Yeah, and I, I just, I feel so, like, surprised because, I guess because when we live in Cambridge, we're so used to, you know, the form of ranked choice voting, right? Like, our proportional right. representation. And we do it with so many people, right? Like we do it with like over 20 people every municipal election. So for me, it doesn't seem complicated or scary or weird or anything. Um, but I think that it just, um, I don't know if it was the pandemic or if it was the messaging wasn't simple enough or if it was Charlie Beaker saying that it was just too complicated for Massachusetts voters, but people just didn't go for it. And um, I'm really bummed out. I mean, I, I think, you know, I've talked many times on this podcast about the, um, Massachusetts congressional fourth, where we're, we're we ended up sending Jake Oshenglass to Congress. Trash, trash. Um, you know, certainly he's more conservative than um, the district. I think itself, and there was a lot of progressive people who were running, who believed in Medicare for all, who believed in a woman's right to choose. I think, you know, the MA four is a really it's a district where we should have sent somebody who was more progressive than, than Jake Ocean class. And did the work, you know, he just, I mean, I can I just, him and others is just such a, it's just a, such a difference. And so, um, you know, he even said, I think though, to his credit, like, yeah, there should be ranked choice voting. I did see <laughs> that. Yeah, you're right. He, um, you know, ended up 
supporting it. And, uh, you know, somebody else had a take on Twitter that was like, the only people I saw who were for this and talking about this was elected officials. <laughs> and so like that may have been like a real messaging problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, I think there is some education that needs to be done around it. And I think that's maybe what was missing of like, you know, there will be um, a learning curve here, but we're going to do everything possible to make sure you understand how to do it. Uh, similarly, I think in Cambridge, we do a little bit of that. Um, and we have done more and more of it, but I think we have been doing it since 1939. So <laughs> I think we're, but again, our municipal elections, well, we can talk about that later. I, yeah, let's not talk about municipal elections today. It's not like that, that many people vote in them. Anyway. Um, I actually but, had a, a Facebook memory pop up that it was, today was the day after the municipal election last year. Yep. And my Facebook memory was like, you guys, I don't have to knock on one single door today. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I just got PTSD like a little bit. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. Door knocking and starting oh. that. And blah. Anyway. Blah. Anyway, moving on. Okay, so this past Monday night, even though it was 57 days ago, uh, we did have a city council meeting and we got a, a COVID update. We didn't get a COVID update last Monday night, so this was a, a big one. So um, the biggest thing that came out of it, as we talked about in our podcast last week, is that the city has announced that they're doing seven days a week of testing throughout the month of November to those who work and live in Cambridge. So Dr. Dobertine, who is a, at the Cambridge Health Alliance, um, said on Monday night when we were talking about this, that she really wants to encourage everyone to get tested as often as they want and feel comfortable. That the main goal is to catch infections early and keep our residents safe. And in our conversation on Monday night, um, I was saying that because previously there had been some scarcity of testing, that there's been a real feeling of, oh gosh, am I, you know, if I take this testing slot, am I taking it from someone who really needs it, right? If I just I'm a little anxious about this or had a close contact who tested positive or I'm gonna go visit my mom and I just wanna be sure. So um, I think the public health department really and the city communications team need to develop a real communication strategy explaining to residents um, when and how they can get tested. Um, you know, And that you should go as often as you want if you live here, if you work here. Uh, I know that, that it has been a big issue for you know, daycare providers uh, who don't live here, but they work here you know, everyone's uh, free to go get tested and you should. Um, I think it's the best way for us to keep our community safe. The other thing, Councillor Simmons also mentioned um, really targeting some messages to the black community with a video on how invasive the tests are that she's talked to so, so many people um, in her circle um, and through the faith-based community that um, people are nervous that it's still that, um, you know, the really long Q-tip that kind of goes into your brain and it's really, really painful. And as you know, Sumble, I've seen you doing a video. It's just a small swab of a, a Q-tip around the base of each of your nostril and it's over in, I don't know, like 10 seconds. So my daughter and I are gonna go on Sunday. We have uh, appointments to go on Sunday. I'm gonna have her take a video of me <laughs> getting the test and post it just so you know, people understand that it's quick, it's easy, it's painless. Um, and, you know, you should go as often as you as you like. Yeah, and I encouraged everyone on Monday night to go and do the videos. Um, <laughs> I was like, look at this great idea that I came up with. <laughs> um, 
and so yeah, I um, I have a video that I were updating, and I'll probably go and get tested again too, and just share it and show how um, you know it, it's really easy. And I think the more of us who do it and show it, um, the better. Uh, I've been working, you know, closely with many to bring on board the testing and really pushed it um, to, to say like, we have to really commit to, to like that access piece as um, you know, numbers go up, you know, we were doing twice a week and I just, you know, I said it in September, like, you know, why can't we do at least four or five? Um, and so we, I think I'm hopeful that we'll continue to offer this even next month. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even the, the month after, if we need it, uh, it's really important that people go, you know, we have nonprofit providers here, YMCA, um, others, uh, you know, and they've, you know, had said, you know, can we go and get tested or can our staff want from Cambridge get tested? Um, can our staff in Cambridge get tested? And, um, we, I think are fortunate that we do have that availability and I think we can provide tests um, to those who are, are here um, and, and working in our cities. Uh, and so I think it's, it's really important. And to date we've done, as a, in, in, in Cambridge, there's been over 200,000 tests administered to Cambridge residents and including over 16,000 that, that have been administered at our city sites. And the goal really for November is to get us to do 10,000 tests uh, and we, we got to do it. So um, it, it, I think we can do it. And so over the last two weeks, Cambridge has actually had a 0.16% positivity rate lower than other um, Massachusetts Mass- uh, municipalities with similar sizes. But that doesn't mean we aren't seeing rising cases here too. So we have to be vigilant and increase testing and you know, look for any potential uh, problem areas. Just recently, yesterday, it was announced that 29 new reported cases um, were reported. This is the highest number of newly reported cases in a 24-hour period uh, since the spring. And they reflect uh, 27 COVID-19 tests that were administered between November 2nd and November 5th, and two tests administered in late October. And of the 29 cases, 10 students and staff associated with that uh, MIT who um, reside in Cambridge. So those are the the 10 um, out of the 29 cases. Uh, and we also got an alert uh, from uh, MIT about the increasing ca- cases. Uh, and they, they talked to us about um, really the rise, the rise they're seeing has been coming from first year um, MBA class at, MB, at MIT Sloan. So uh, MIT's done, you know, a really great job as is Har- Harvard, and uh, you know those students are isolating. Their, the contact tracing has been completed, and any close contacts are in quarantine. And so, I think uh, you know Harvard, uh, not at Harvard, MIT will um, be moving to a fully virtual instruction for first year MBA students probably until the Thanksgiving great, at which point um, on all on-campus activity is already scheduled to be virtual. So, um, you know, I think uh, also they've said that in suspending um, the in-person learning, all the first-year students will adopt an every other day testing cadence through November 13 to really allow MIT to monitor the situation and ensure safety for the entire community. 
Yeah, because right now I think their testing capability or what they're doing is twice a week testing for their students. So every other day will be a a significant increase. And they were also planning, and Harvard is too, sending their students home at the the Thanksgiving break and then that's it. Like normally kids go home for the Thanksgiving break, they come back for finals and then they go home again for the holiday break. Um, but this, I think everyone's scheduled to be out uh, mid-November, both at Harvard and MIT. So yeah, we've been watching, I've definitely been watching those cases at Harvard and MIT really closely. And on Sunday, I, um, I saw the numbers, the seven day uh, numbers and emailed uh, our government liaison to ask, you know, okay, we've got 20 cases in the last seven days. Like what's up, what's happening? So they've been keeping us in pretty close um, touch and as well as the public health department. So uh, hopefully they will keep that tamped down. Um, we've also started to see some cases reemerging am- among staff and residents in long-term care facilities statewide. And even there's been some cases here in Cambridge. And I, I have been concerned since most of the Cambridge COVID deaths, uh, you know, out of the hundred Cambridge residents that we lost uh, between March and now, 72 of them were in long-term care facilities and nursing home residents. So we really have to think about proactively developing targeting testing strategy, protect these vulnerable re- you know, residents in our community. I know that um, you know, when I was asking those questions on Monday night, the public health team was talking about how you know, the long-term care facilities have their own strategies right now. And I, I asked for a report on how they're handling it because my concern is by the time we went in there and I'm gonna use the public health department's uh, phrasing, you know, when we went in there with like a SWAT team um, in the spring, it was kind of already too late. Uh, certainly what we did and the interventions that we, we had there helped tremendously, but my, my, I guess my point on Monday night was what, what are we doing proactively to keep those uh, elderly populations safe? So hopefully just emailed the city manager yesterday. And hopefully we'll have that, um, that will be part of the COVID uh, reporting on Monday night at the council meeting. Yeah, and we're also testing in schools too. Uh, we're providing free testing uh, to all staff twice a week um, and any educators or scholars who develop um, symptoms during the day are tested as well. And as of October 15th um, and, you know, I think we have some more updated numbers too. I think over 2,000 tests have been uh, administrated to administrated to asymptomatic CPS staff, um, and 32 tests have been given to symptomatic staff and students. And our public health department has also partnered with our local charter schools to provide them with their own um, testing kits. Uh, and we'll be implementing a new wastewater testing program which serves as a early warning signal for COVID spikes. And this should be starting in mid uh, November and we'll be testing from three locations once a week. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that on Monday night. I was, um, of course I was hoping to have like that like implemented and, and ready to read. Yep. <laughs> um, but I guess it sounds like there was a little bit of an issue with the MWRA and some timing, is that right? Yeah, we want to go through their piping system, and uh, there was some permitting things that were being worked out, but it's hopefully, um, it'll be figured out in the next week. Uh, Okay, good, because I know that um, the statewide or the, you know, the Deer Island 
uh, wastewater that we've been monitoring, it looks like there was, I feel like it was not last week, but the week before that we, there was a huge spike and everyone was flipping out, um, myself included. And um, those numbers have come down a little bit. So, or a lot actually, so that's good news. And so I think having that Cambridge specific wastewater uh, readings will be really, really helpful. Um, another thing that we talked about on Monday night was the new state regulations that the Baker administration issued uh, on Monday to address the spike in COVID cases across the state. So starting at uh, 12.01 a.m. this morning, residents um, have been advised to stay home between 10 p.m. and 5 p.m. except to go to work, run essential errands and to you know, go out and exercise. Certain businesses and activities will have to close between 9.30 and 5 a.m. So you know, if you're uh, at a restaurant and you're not, you know, finished with your meal by 9.30, it's time to go. Um, there's no like sitting down at 9.25 and you get to eat your meal. It's really 9.30, close it up. Residents must also now wear face coverings at all times in public spaces, even if physical distancing is possible statewide. And indoor gatherings at private residents are li limited to 10 people and outdoor gatherings at private residents is limited to 25 people. And uh, as I said, those guidelines went into effect today, essentially Friday, November 6th. So I spoke with some uh, members of our inspectional services department yesterday. The city is planning to have a team of people out this weekend helping businesses and restaurants understand, um, you know, the new guidelines and, and make sure that we are complying. Uh, and it, I know that there have been a lot of conversations happening at the, the city level to make sure that um, our businesses know they have the resources that they need and just make sure that uh, we're complying with those state, new state regulations. I mean, I, 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 I don't think they go, I, I think some I, of them don't go far. I know. It's a little like, uh, if we know that household, <laughs> yeah, if we know that household transmission and small gatherings are the things that are, right. like, are we really letting 10 people get 10 together? People. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I haven't had a single person in my house since March. Right, so it's right. hard to imagine having nine more people here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was talking to the city manager and about just, I mean, I think we need to really think about where we can go be more strict and have, you know, have data, data guide us. Right. And so it is the household transmission. So the message shouldn't be like, Definitely have Thanksgiving and have all your family over, you know, we right. cannot be doing that. Like that is, but that could, people can have like 10 people over for Thanksgiving. And I don't think that's safe. Right. Like just from what we know. Yeah. And I was watching um, Marty Walsh in Boston yesterday, talk about Thanksgiving and he, and um, his, I, I think his, I think his public health person is also named Marty, which is really funny. Um, but anyways, they were both, talking about Thanksgiving and then just really saying like, this is not the year where you get together with your family. It's awful. It sucks. I can't believe we're here in this space right now. Um, but this is the year to do a virtual Thanksgiving. Just if you can celebrate safely outside, if the weather is good, um, but just, just don't do it. Like, if, just don't do it. If, like we have seen what has happened in Canada right. with their, um, you know, Thanksgiving. their Thanksgiving and um, we, you know, yesterday in in um, in the country, we had 120,000 new cases, which is up 20% of the day before. It's, <laughs> so, it's just, it's yeah. So, so 
I know that there was a, a, a agenda item on the school committee meeting, special meeting last night around um, asking the governor to um, do some targeted closures so that schools can stay open. And I think it was uh, placed on the table or yeah, it was calendared. Like, calendared, whatever the expression is on the school committee <laughs> side. But it is interesting to think about, you know, if you, we want to keep schools open, um, how do we do targeted closures so that um, we and prioritize we, our kids? And on that note, we just received updated guidance on from D DESI on interpreting COVID-19 health metrics. And we're being told that... Um, it, the guideline memo says dis districts are expected to prioritize in-person learning across all color-coded categories unless there is sus suspected in-school transmission. Um, so as I've said, <laughs> everything guidance changes at, at a heartbeat. You know, we... Jesse just feels like, like a day late and a dollar short, always. Oh, 100%. And now they're saying districts and schools and communities designated gray, green, or yellow are expected to have students learning fully in person um, if feasible. Uh, a hybrid model should be used only if there is no other way to meet health and safety requirements. Parents and caregivers will continue to have the option to choose a district's remote learning plan for their ch children. But how can you have a full, mm -hmm. how can you go back fully if you have to have six foot spacing? I mean, again, right? This is, I'm reading this like live <laughs> because I, we just received it. And it's just in people. This, this just in. So yeah, we did have a, you know, metrics conversation last night that um, that item was tabled as well. But in a sense, um, you know, the looking at um, Cambridge based metrics versus regional metrics. Um, I think this is, I think with this new, uh, DPH <laughs> guidance will have to further, there's going to be a lot of conversations and metrics um, in the next few weeks, I think. But I think the priority is to keep schools open um, and it's a matter of how. Uh, so going back to that motion, but what else? All right. Uh, have, okay. So we also had like a whole city council meeting Monday night, which was like hard to concentrate, not going to lie. So awful. Um, and I'm sharing it. <laughs> You were, you were sharing it. Um, I was there in person and um, was just like, couldn't believe that it we just were all, yeah, it was like the biggest election of our, our lives, right? The next day, we're just all talking about curb cuts and stuff. It was just wild. Anyway, here are some of the highlights. One of the things we talked about, uh, the city manager, staff and team came to us with a request that for the 2021 um, calendar year, that we raise resident parking permit fees from $25 to $40. So for those of you who haven't listened to every single podcast for the last two and a half years, uh, last September, September 2019, we had an ordinance committee on this very topic where we talked about this a lot, um, increasing the permit fee from $25 to $40, but there was some significant concern at that time, um, particularly by myself, your, you, uh, Councillor McGovern, and a couple of others that um, we really wanted the city's traffic and parking department to come back with the feasibility of implementing a means testing for resident parking sticker program, 
for uh, those residents who would receive a reduction in the resident parking sticker fee using, you know, an existing means testing by, uh, you know, if you if you live in public housing or if you qualify for SNAP or WIC or um, any of these, you know, other programs that you could easily just quickly check a box or provide a, a number um, that you would get a discount. So, you know, at that meeting, you know, was it two years ago? Was it September 2019 or 2018? 20, I thought it was, I guess it was 2019. I, you know what, I don't know, but it was a long time ago. And actually I think it might've been 2018 because 29, September 2019 was, <laughs> anyway, my brain is broken that it was either one year ago or two years ago. Yeah. At that meeting, I stood, I just said that I couldn't support something that did not consider those who have a financial need. So this response, um, which wasn't a response, it was just a request by the city manager, two years later, it just, the only thing it spoke to was declining revenues, right? Like we need this increase because we have lost revenue based on um, parking meter fees based on parking ticket fees. And we're trying to make up those declining revenues by increasing the permit parking. So, you know, I, I just felt like we talk about equity all the time. We're not even acknowledging the impact on our residents, especially during the pandemic when so many people have lost their jobs, lost wages. And how are we even, how are we even supposed to, you know, approve something like this when we specifically asked for a means tested program? Um, and it was such a huge part of the conversation went back when we had it um, and it didn't even come up. It wasn't even part of, you know, the agenda item. So I was really disappointed. Um, they've had a long time to work on this. They've, it, it was very disappointing. I, I'm not, I actually think like I'm fine paying $40. I think we should raise our, our resident per, parking permit fees to be more in line with how much they cost the department to actually process them. Um, but I don't think at this time we should be considering an increase without a means tested application process that we specifically asked for. Right. It was, it's kind of, you know, I think many of us agreed. And so it failed, um, you know, the work should have been happening all like, you know, last year. Um, and, you know, it, it felt that that request was, you know, not, not you know responded acted to mm -hmm. acted upon and you know that's why uh we we got to where we were on uh, monday so it i you know I, I i hope they can come back and and figure out a um very speedy way to to be able to do um a means tested application uh, i think there's you know, there's talk, uh, the way, same way we do the blue bikes. There's a lot of different ways, right? Um, there's also, you know, yeah, I think there's creative ways too that we can think about this, like you could bring your excise tax bill, right? And it's a sliding scale. Like if you just bought a brand new car, um, you can afford $40 or $50 or $100, right? Um, I think there's, there's definitely creative ways to think about this and we should, particularly since we know that um, revenues are gonna be declining for a little while, um, at least. And mm -hmm. we knew that, that the fees at $25 wasn't covering the cost of the, you know, the traffic and parking time. So what, you know, I, I just, I hope the traffic and parking can come together with some 
really interesting ideas on how to handle this moving forward. But yeah, it failed. Yeah. So we also, um, this was brought up last week, but uh, Councilor Simmons exercised her charter right uh, on the campaign finance uh, reform policy order ordinance. Uh, and so uh, this ordinance is based on Somerville's pay to play ordinance, which does not allow for campaign donations of over 500 from anyone with business before the city council. And they must file a mandatory disclosure for the city if they have donated uh, to a campaign at the time that they have, they file an application on one of the following, four following things, seeking to enter into a contract, seeking approval for a special permit with site plan review, or approval of a planned unit development as set forth in section 15-72 uh, or seeking to acquire real estate from or dispose of real estate to the city or any city related agency seeking financial assistance from the city. Um, and this, they have it being applied to spouses and children. Yeah, so th the one that was proposed for Cambridge added in a few elements that I thought were a little confusing and a little, I think I used the term word salad um, and it needed a, some work, right? We needed to discuss it at ordinance. And I think it's likely to lead into like a long drawn out conversation that I just felt like during the second wave of the pandemic just wasn't a good use of our time. Um, and I would have actually been willing to just adopt Somerville's ordinance and move on. I think it's a good one. And I think, you know, it's been working very well in Somerville and um, seems very reasonable to me. But in between last Monday when Denise or Councillor Simmons uh, exercised her charter right and this week's meeting, Councillor McGovern proposed an alternate solution, which I actually kind of liked more, which was just to limit contributions to $200 across the board and then limit on campaign loans of up to $3,000 per election cycle. So you can, as a candidate, I could give myself, you know, I could give myself an unlimited amount of money, I think. Like, you know, since 2013, there've been candidates, city council candidates who've lent themselves their campaign between $10,000 and $25,000. And some of them are serving on the council right now. So if we really wanna talk about leveling a playing field, and assuring everyone has equal access to these, these positions, um, it feels important to talk about personal wealth of candidates and candidates who also have up, outside proximity to those with larger bank accounts and can max out on campaign contributions. Like, you know, there, there are people on the city council or who have served previously that have access to a lot of people that can write $1,000 checks for everybody in their household. And I, you know, I don't have access to those folks I think I said Monday night, um, I was looking through my campaign donations. In the last election cycle, I had eight donations of uh, $1,000 and two of them were for my father. Uh, and my average donation was about $150. So for me, I, I feel like it, it really helps to level the playing field when you know you can't spend upwards of $70,000, $80,000 on a city council campaign because if you can only, if you know, the average donation is 200 bucks. It, it really does limit the amount of money you can spend in a campaign. I think, I think that's what we're really talking about, right? We're talking about limiting the amount of money spent on a campaign and who is actually paying to play, right? Yeah, so I think, you know, I'm in favor of, I think uh, maybe a combo. I do like the Somerville pay to play and um, defining and maybe further defining some of those 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 categories. Um, so I will be working on some amendments 
um, to to this order for our future ordinance meeting. Uh, it was moved to the ordinance meeting and this new proposal was also um, moved uh, eventually to the ordinance as well. But I, I agree with the point where, you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't think I give my, I don't think I've given myself, I don't have that money to give to myself. Uh, I, I, so. I accidentally bought bras with my campaign account. Did I ever tell you the story? No. Oh my God. Like I actually, I bought a, a bra with my campaign account credit card. Just, I don't even know how it happened. And then I had to like pay myself back. I, it was such a like complicated thing to do. But anyways, I was just like laughing, thinking about it the other day that the only time I've ever given myself anything for my campaign account was a bra. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, we had that. And then there was a tear gas discussion that went on for a very long time. And I really tried to <laughs> move it Forward. I felt like everybody just poured all of their anxiety and about the election into this this one converse these like two conversations like everyone was kind of on edge but yeah this one was put forward by uh, Councillor Sabrina Wheeler and co-sponsored by Councillor Zondervan, Councillor Nolan and you and it, it's asking the city solicitor to draft some language for an ordinance banning the use of tear gas in Cambridge as everyone knows um, over the past couple of months, tear gas uh, being used on residents has been a huge issue across the country. It is actually not uh, approved here in Cambridge, um, but this is seeking to make that law. Uh, and I think it's a really, it's a really powerful idea to codify um, that we are not allowing the use of tear gas on our residents here in the city, uh, or use, I should say, using tear gas, period, uh, by our police department. So last week, Councillor Simmons exercised her charter right as she felt the order should recognize that the Cambridge police haven't used tear gas for over 30 years. Um, the uh, order was amended to state that, that the CPD hadn't used tear gas in recent years while also acknowledging that CPD had previously used tear gas against Cambridge residents protesting for peace and racial justice uh, with instances in 1970 and 1972. So that now gets uh, the amended order now goes to the city solicitor for drafting an ordinance that bans tear gas. And then after that, when it will, it will come back to the city council. We'll vote whether to send it to ordinance for more work or if we're happy with what the, you know she comes up with, we'll just vote it to a second reading. And then two weeks later, we would adopt it into a law here in the city. So yeah, that, that um, it eventually moved along. So that, that's good. Uh, <laughs> Then uh, Councillor Simmons also put in a policy order uh, and uh, about a about a city-owned piece of land on Cherry Street that was given to the city by MIT as part of a zoning petition in 2013. She would. I, I'm laughing because in the doc that we both work on for this podcast, it says 2103. <laughs> it was a it was a future gift that we're thinking about now on how to use it. It'll probably take that long to figure out what no, to use. Like, let's be serious. It's probably <laughs> <laughs> she would like to initiate a public process to decide what to do with this land and how to best effectively use it to address critical needs in the port. And he actually had asked to be a co-sponsor because I had been working behind the scenes on making sure that we were coming up with some kind of um, response to this. Uh, I think, you know, a few of us talked about it last term, it's come up at round tables about, you know, not just, just this, but um, other city um, owned property that we, um, 
you know, we are, have yet to act on. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we have a couple of MIT pieces in particular that are just kind of like gifted to the city, but then we just don't do anything with them. And then one of the things, I can't remember who it was that was talking about this was, um, or maybe it was a public commenter or somebody who wrote in, but um, you know, there's that old health center on Windsor Street that's sort of around the corner. And it's like, what could we do with that too? Like, could it be part of the same project? Um, and how do we talk about them together? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was Monday night. I'm sure there's more that we that was covered. It was, it was quite a long meeting. Um, it was a surprisingly long meeting for the agenda that we had. Yeah, yeah. And then his week has just been been uh, been really long. So I am looking have, forward. Yeah. What have you been doing like for fun? You watching any good shows? Um, yeah, like I've been trying to like do some self-care. Um, I started watching The Queen's Gambit. Oh, I love that show. I just Are finished. finished? <gasps> How many episodes is it? Seven? Oh, that's it. Okay. I'm on, we're on episode three. <laughs> it's funny. A friend of mine was like, it's so slow. I was like, I know, don't you love it? It's like... I I laughed when I'm, I'm on like the, the episode three and like I love the mom and she's just like <laughs> oh my god right like that relationship she's just like you know you should try a beer you know <laughs> she's just the perfect mom for like this orphan gr- genius girl yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then she's like sure you can have another beer but you gotta get me one <laughs> So yeah, so the Queen's Gambit is about a, a little girl who is orphaned um, by her her mom, who is who had some mental issues and um, ended up at this orphanage and then was adopted. But while she was in the orphanage, the janitor at the orphanage taught her to play chess, and she turned out to be like a savant. Um, and it's about her journey. Um, as a young woman growing up, realizing her gift and she starts entering all these chess competitions and winning. And um, it's just a beautiful moving show um, that is actually like slow enough. I think right now where your brain can slow down, it can stop getting the like dopamine hits of like the Twitter every five seconds and the alerts on your phone. It's just a really nice like way to just breathe a little bit. It's very good. I, I highly recommend it. Are you watching anything else? Um, you, besides the map show? Yeah, besides the map. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I saw on Twitter that somebody had said um, that their three-year-old was like, when can we stop watching this map show? It's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I know, so funny. <laughs> it's so boring. It's just the same color. It never changes. Um, well, hopefully we will get some um, updates today about what's happening oh yeah um, then we will celebrate for sure uh one question i have for you mayor siddiqui is is there a family resource fair this weekend or are there any more plans i know people have been really enjoying those no we have one um no not tomorrow but we have one november 14th at the Pisani center okay more details to come okay uh, we're planning we're planning um yeah so we'll keep people posted I'm like what day is today it's just the sixth but times are flying but yeah, yeah I'll, I'll share that information to, to to residents oh and then 
River, did we update everyone about River, the Memorial Drive and Riverbend Park? Oh, I don't think so. I do not We're, think we It's have. open through end of November. So Saturdays and Sundays, 11 to 7, through the end of November. And you know what? Honestly, I hope they just keep extending. Right. It's been so right. nice. Like, what's the point of like keeping, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's really nice. It's like this weekend, tomorrow will be great beautiful like today is amazing I'm gonna work out after this or try and by workout I mean like use my headspace app <laughs> I should <laughs> go outside and run but like I'm too yeah maybe I'll play basketball I don't know it's a I need beautiful like a, day you should I get outside like a, yeah it needs like a self-care exercise break um besides like eating cookies that's like my self-care right oh now. I had so many cookies this week the tat Tate cookie, tate, tate cookies. Mm -hmm. You know, in the green bag. Oh, those tates, tates, tates. Yeah. Oh my god, they were like two for three dollars or something at Star Market. Two, like those big things. That was it was so cheap. Oh, and I bought so much seltzer. Oh, seltzer, like just my entire fridge is seltzer. Honestly, there's really nothing else in there. Well, I like that when you run out of seltzer, you get just get mad. Just it like <laughs> makes you anxious. It's so true. It's like, why don't I have my um, seltzer by my bedside in the bathroom? Like it's everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. So you, know what I've been, you know what I've been doing for self-care? Actually, I'm doing it right now is knitting. I know. I want to, I don't know how to knit, but I'd like to learn. It's so easy. I mean, listen, it is not easy to like knit a sweater or a hat or <laughs> or anything that has a shape. But if you just want to sit and knit and like maybe make a scarf that's straight, uh, it's so easy. Okay, maybe I'll put that on my list for 2021. Well, you know, what's so funny is that like, I've been knitting for a long time. And um, the one thing I just can't do is like cast on, which is where you get the stitches like on your needles. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm like gonna be 50 in exactly 30 days. <sighs> I know, but I still drive to my mom's and have her cast on my projects. Yeah, mom. Oh, speaking of moms, my mom FaceTimed me and she just looked so beautiful today. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to the Copley. I'm just going to go for an hour, stroll. <laughs> like, oh my God. She just can't, she loves malls so much. She just wants know? to feel a little normal. I get it. She loves dressing up. She loves going. She's like, I have my mask. It'll be fine. It's a nice day. How's she going to get there? She takes the tea. Oh, she does. Okay. She, to get some that tea. She's just, uh, my mom is, I'm going to see her tomorrow. So that'll be nice. I've been so busy. Anyway, it's like we're just talking. And <laughs> going Sorry, viewers. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> have a great, great weekend. Think good thoughts for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And hopefully next week when we talk to you, um, things will be looking up a little bit in that area. So thanks yes. for joining us today. Thanks for always joining us. If you thanks for listening. need anything, just tweet at us. I'm at A-M-M-A-L-L-O-N. And, and I'm at Mary Siddiqui. And if you like this podcast and think it's informative and sometimes uh, <laughs> funny? just chatty or funny, yeah. please you know, share it with your friends, let them know that it's happening. We try to keep everybody up to date on 
um, what's going on here in the city, especially during this time of the pandemic and just making sure that people have all the information that they need um, for themselves and their families and their businesses. So share it, let and us know. If you have any clarifying like questions about what we've said, feel free to ask us. Absolutely. You can email me at a-m-a-l-l-o-n at cambridgema.gov. You can email me at s-siddiqui, s-i-d-d-i-q-u-i at cambridgema.gov. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic week, and we will talk to you soon. Go Biden and Kamala. Woo! Bye!